Hello and welcome to the Art of Selling Online Courses. We're here to share winning strategies and secret hacks from top performers in the online course industry. My name is John Ainsworth and today's guest is Jan van der Aar, the co-founder of Creator Smarts. They helped establish YouTube creators in the education space to build their own course businesses, usually in the form of partnerships. And besides the partnerships, they also run an inner circle group for their community and annual in-person events. And today we're going to be talking about how you can build a smart, future-proofed course business in three steps. Now, this is particularly focused around YouTubers, but the same principles apply whether you've got a podcast or a high-traffic website or whatever. Now, before we dive into the interview with today's guest, I've got an important question for you. Do you own a course or authority website? If so, did you know there's a list of eight techniques that are going to help you to increase your revenue? On average, they increase revenue two to five times. My team will do this for you. We'll go through your business and help you figure out how much more money you could be making by implementing these techniques. So if you fill in the form, you go to courseprofitreport.com, fill in the form, then it's going to take about, I don't know, three, four minutes, something like that. Then my team's going to create a personalized profit increase report for you. And if you qualify, if you're at kind of a scale that you might be able to work with us, they'll also do a video breakdown of one of your sales pages, checkout pages, show you exactly what you need to change in order to be able to make more money immediately. So if you're interested, if that sounds helpful, go to courseprofitreport.com. Now, welcome back to the show. Jan, how are you doing, man? Yeah, thanks for the invitation, John. Glad to be here. So talk to us. There's three-step process. I love it when there's a number of steps like already kind of figured out, makes it simple for everybody to understand. So how people can create a smart, future-proofed course business in three steps. Right. So first of all, could you break down for us, what does it mean to have a future-proofed course business? Why are most course businesses not future-proofed? That's a good question. So let's start with the problem, right? As you said, we mostly work with YouTubers and most of their YouTubers make money with AdSense sponsorships, uh-huh. maybe some affiliate deals. Now, a thing that we hear from YouTubers all the time is that, you know, some, sometimes AdSense revenue is up. Sometimes the RPMs are lower. Sometimes they have good sponsorships. Sometimes a video goes viral and sometimes they lose a platform or they're just not willing to they wake up one day and they, they don't feel like creating a video. So there's many YouTubers out there with huge audiences who make good money just of AdSense, but the business is not really stable. So Mm -hmm. what we say is, hey, you have an audience, you are in the education space, you teach something. That means that you have an audience with people who want to learn something from you. Why not package, productize your knowledge and sell it as an online course? And that way you no longer have to rely on the algorithm. And you double your revenue at least. Sometimes it's much more than that, as you know. So yeah, that's what we mean by building a future-proof business. It's really by building a business that lasts longer than, than you as a creator. Because most content creators have an expiration date of, let's say, five years. Mm. Um, some of them have been doing it for longer. But I mean, those who are really born for content creation, I guess they could just be continue to do it for the rest of their lives. But what we often hear is, oh my God, I've created hundreds <laughs> of videos. When is this going to stop? Right? They're stuck on the, on the hamster wheel, creating content all the time. Yeah. But then we say, okay, we, why not build a separate course business which doesn't rely on you as a personal brand? And then if you want to continue creating videos, good, keep doing that. that. But in case you don't want to do that, then we still have the course business with its own separate 
traffic sources, which ideally can also become sellable in the future. But then we are talking, um, yeah, that it, it takes a few years to to build that thing. But that's essentially nice. what we do. Okay, so the place people are, and this is the same what you just said about like YouTube. It's the same things uh, the case for like people authority sites. They've been cranking out content. They've got lots of stuff going on, right? They've managed to make this work. And at first, it was like, oh my god, this gets me out of my day job. This means I don't have to go work in that office. I can travel wherever I want. It's amazing. And then after a while, you're like, ha, huh, but can I, how long do I keep this up forever? How does this kind of work? This isn't really a business. This is just based around me. Yeah. So they've got ads, they've got affiliate links, this kind of thing. And it's dependent on keeping on cranking out the content. And YouTube is particularly because it's their face on it. So like when it's yep. written content, it's kind of easier, but a podcast or YouTube, mm. then it's kind of harder. So what you're helping people to do or the problem you're helping people to solve is how do you get out of that hamster wheel? How do you get to the point where they're able to, to create something that's separate to them that yeah. has value that maybe they could even sell one day if they want to and more at least double their revenue? Well, that uh, yeah, sounds like a, a problem worth solving. This sounds pretty good. Exactly. Now, there is a, there is a catch to it because there's very few. I mean, this is a luxury problem. It's a very good problem to have, right? Because most people are still figuring how to, how to make their breakthrough on YouTube and how to make money online. But there is a quickly growing group of people that are in that position where they wake up in the morning and they think, shit, I have enough. I'm making enough money, but I just, I want to diversify. Mm. So that's where, we, that's where we jump in. Yeah. And we do that in three steps as the, um, the title of today's show suggested. And step number one is that we help them properly monetize their personal brand. And we do that by building a course if they don't have a course yet. And if they already have a course, we make sure that they are not leaving any money on the table. And what we do there, I think it's quite similar to what you do, John, because, I mean, we also had you on our show and you talked about some of the systems, some of the techniques that you guys use is basically asking yourself the three questions. Are we collecting enough leads? Are we converting enough? Do we have enough products, right? Once we have that, we can move on to step number two. Step number two is we create a business brand. So not a personal brand, but a business brand. And then we use the personal brand to create the business brand. So an example of how this works in practice, we work with this YouTuber. His name is Shalma. Now, nobody knows how to write that name. I always have to change the name of his channel. <laughs> but if you go to YouTube and you search for white guy speaks Chinese. Yeah, I've watched his videos. They're cool. <laughs> that's Shama. Yeah, his name is Ari Smith. He's a guy from New York. He speaks really, uh, he speaks a lot of foreign languages. So what he does, he has like a hidden camera and he goes out there on the streets in New York. And then first he speaks English and then he switches to that local language. The so people are shocked, right? Or surprised, maybe a better word to describe it. So it's mostly, it's not even pure education. It's an entertainment channel. Mm -hmm. But there is a segment of his audience which is interested in learning languages themselves. And, you know, at the beginning, we sat like, okay, you speak really good Chinese. Why not create a simple Chinese course and see if you can sell it through YouTube? Mm -hmm. So he did that. He did it by himself. And uh, it worked. People started buying. And then we took a look at his sales page and his sales processes. There was no email marketing. There were not enough call to actions. It wasn't very well marketed. Sales page was good, not a good, like all those things, right? And we said, man, you could, we said, how much are you making? And he said, well, I'm making this much. And we said, man, with your number of traffic, with if you have like 20 million views per month on your YouTube channel, 
you should be making way more. Shall we help you grow the business? And he was like, yeah, how are you going to do that? And I said, well, I will show you. But uh, the deal is that we're going to help you double the business, at least double it. And you only pay as a percentage over all the extra revenue that we help you make. Mm-hmm. Right. So we set your current revenue as a baseline and then we help you grow the business. And then we basically, we, we turn around the sales page or we, we rewrote the copy, started doing email marketing, created a few lead magnets, set up a welcome sequence, all the kind of, it's basically marketing, online marketing one-on-one, right? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, within the first few weeks or within the first month, sales, sales doubled or tripled. And then we did a survey and we asked his audience, are you interested in learning any other languages? Click here, which language you are interested in. And it actually turned out that only 20% of his audience, or even less, was interested in Chinese. All the other people, they wanted to learn other languages. So we said to Ari, man, you need to create more courses. And he was like, I can't do that because my Chinese is pretty good, but I don't speak all those other languages. And then we said, well, the reason people buy a course from you now is because of you as the person. Mm -hmm. But what if we make it about the method? Mm -hmm. So we create a method. We called it the Street Smart Method. So the, the name of the course business was Street Smart Languages. It represents very well what he does. Right? He goes on the street. He's street smart in all those languages. And uh, we make it all about the method. And then we create a separate brand that's perfectly aligned with what you do in your videos, with your language learning philosophy, and we'll make it all about the methodology. So that's an example of how you can build a business brand and then use a personal brand to promote that business brand got it all right cool so we're going to go back and dig into each of these in turn but just before we do could you tell us what the third step is that's exactly so the third step is now that we have this business brand it kind of still relies on on the influencer on the creator right because who else is going to send traffic i mean you can run ads but do you want to 100 rely on ads Maybe not. So you can also build external traffic sources, right? So what we are doing now is we actually started new YouTube channels. They're called Street Smart Spanish. Soon we will be launching a Street Smart Chinese channel where we have uh, a production team in Spanish-speaking countries and are doing street interviews. So they're basically asking people in Mexico questions like, what do you think about Americans? Or what do you think about Trump? Do all Mexicans want to immigrate to to the US. And then we add subtitles in both English and Spanish. So it's actually very useful for Spanish learners. And um, yeah, the idea is that those channels are going to attract Spanish learners. And then we can add call to actions and say, hey, by the way, want to learn Spanish? Check out three smart languages, right? So yeah, and that's a short version. Step number one, properly monetize the personal brand. Step number two, build a business brand, use the personal brand to promote the business brand. And then step number three is building external traffic sources so that the business can survive in the long run without the creator. Perfect. All right, cool. I was chatting with a a guy running an e-commerce business the other day, and he's got this blog and it's in the supplement space. And he had this blog and he was writing all kinds of articles and he built up traffic. And then at some point, his audience was clearly interested in buying supplements. So he made his own, I think he was promoting other people's supplements and then he made his own supplements. And he's like, at some point I might sell the business. And when I do, maybe I will sell the blog as well. And I was like, no, keep the blog. Because the, you're basically your own affiliate here. 
Yeah. And it's interesting, right? Because you kind of talk about the same thing, like build up the course business and then your original brand, if you're still running that YouTube channel, you're making money from pointing people to that. Now you could at some point use that to start a different business and point people to something else. You know, I don't know what exactly in that case, but with his one, it's about, you know, all stuff to do with health and fitness. There's always the option around it. And it's fascinating, like splitting those two things out because most people don't. Most people are like, it's a personal brand to start with. Therefore, it stays a personal brand. And if I want to make it a business brand, that's really difficult. And what you're talking about is kind of gradually doing it by having that step where you go, right, I made the course and now I'm starting to make street smarts. I'm calling yeah. it street smarts. It's kind of the same, but now I'm gradually building up the business side of it more. And then other sources of traffic to come in. And then at some point, it's no longer really about you anymore. You've got all these different things going on. It's great. I love it. I mean, there's companies out there who, and their pitch is basically as, okay, you're a successful creator, but do we help you build a business brand so that one day you can sell the business, right? But the thing that's skipping a step here, right? That the, the skipping the step of building a business that monetizes your personal brand. And yeah. you can do that. But I think if you have a huge channel in the education space with an audience of people who want to learn something from you, then it's such a low hanging fruit, mm. right? To, to build a, a course in which you uh, give the lessons yourself. And let's be honest, I mean, in my experience, at least, personal brand businesses always have higher conversion rates than faceless brands, yeah. right? Yeah. So especially with YouTube, it's like if you do video, people, you really have that relationship. So why skip that step? So instead we say, okay, first monetize your personal brand properly and take those profits to then reinvest in a business that's uh, that's sellable in the long run and that can survive without you. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah, it's the order of things is so important and people kind of forget that sometimes. They're like, okay, you're here, you want to be there, go there. And it's like, but what do you do first? You can't do everything first and there's so much to do. So I was like, okay, where do you start with this? So let's go back to the beginning, right? So monetizing the personal brand. So you said, first of all, make a course. And then you start, if I understood right, and correct me if I'm wrong, first of all, make a course. And then secondly, go back through and start to look at, okay, where are you losing people? And you said there was three steps within that first step, which were make sure that you're collecting enough leads, sending, uh, converting people properly through the kind of promotions, the sales pages, that kind of thing. And then thirdly was making enough courses. Did I get those right? Yeah, those I right? mean, it's 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 very similar to what you, you guys do at uh, data-driven yeah. marketing. For the YouTubers, I mean, so maybe I can give you the YouTube angle here, right? Yeah. So for YouTubers, so what's the most important thing for you? How can YouTubers get traffic to their website or to their landing page? We have the pinned comments. We have the first line in the video description. You can do a shout out in the video, which can be very effective. So like... After you do the entry, say, by the way, if you want to steal my 10 phrases that are going to get you start speaking Spanish quickly, check out the link in the description, something like that, right? The shout outs. You can post something in a community tab, which works well. And yeah, those are one of the first things that we do. So we go to our YouTube analytics. We look at which videos are the most popular and getting the most number of views in the last 30 days, the last 90 days. And then we add those pins. That's where we start, right? That's back to your question. Like, where do we start? Well, we start with the, the 80-20. That, that's mm -hmm. where we start. Like, where do we get all the traffic? Because you, most of the time, it's only from a few videos. And uh, that's where we start placing the call to actions. And then once we've done that, we create a lead magnet. 
is a landing page, right? So that we can send people to a page where they can give their email address. And then while we are collecting email addresses, we then go and create the course. Is there is no course yet. Now, one mistake that most course creators make, not sure if you have the same experience, but most course creators think that the first course needs to be perfect. Oh, it must <laughs> it must be perfect. And it's like, it must cover everything. <laughs> yeah, well, two things there, right? It must be perfect. Okay, so, well, a perfect course takes too long to create, right? And yeah. then you, you spend all those money... You spend all that time and resources in the project, and then by the end, it turns out that people wanted wanted something else. I think there are some industry or some niches where you can know in advance that you're going to convert. Yeah. Like if you have, a, I mean, I do have a background in language learning as well, so let's just give language influencers or creators as an example here. If you have a channel where you teach Dutch, my native language, and your videos are all very education, not really entertaining, and you have, a, I don't know, 100,000 subscribers, and you do everything in English, most of the things that you teach in your videos are beginner phrases, then it's pretty safe to create a beginner course for Dutch and that will perform. With Ari, it's a bit more difficult, right? Because it's mostly about entertainment. So, okay, what language do they want to learn? Are they, is my audience interested in learning languages in the first place or are they just there for entertainment reasons, right? So for some niches, you know what's going to work, but if you don't have a niche channel, then you really want to do an MVP first, right? right? Minimum viable product. You talk to the audience one by one in the comments, you do surveys, you figure out what exactly they want from you. You create that thing, you create it quickly. Within a month, ideally, something quick, and then you just launch it. And only after you have proof of concept, that's when you, and, and you have a bit of money, hopefully, by that time as mm -hmm. well. You can then invest that money and actually hire a team, hire freelancers to create a course for you. Well, I'm, uh, I noticed that I'm rambling a little bit here, but your question essentially was, what are some of the first things that you do, right? So make sure that we are collecting leads. We create something, an MVP, and then we just launch it. We go to the mailing list. We say, hey, we created a thing, go and buy it. And then um, we evaluate, we look at the results and based on the results we make our next move. And do you ever do pre-sales when you're doing it? I would, but I mean, this is another thing, right? Because again, for most people we work with, it's a personal brand. Mm. And if, if not everybody feels comfortable doing a pre-sale. Yeah. Do you know but Shane Oliveira? No. So she's in the language space as well. Uh, she does, I think. Is it Shana, yeah, yeah, yeah. She does English, Espresso English. Yeah, Espresso English. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. And um, she's awesome. I haven't seen her in a while, but she does great stuff. And one of the things she does is she pre-sells her courses because it puts a fire under her ass. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> she's like, well, now I've got to make it because they're expecting lesson one in a month's time. And so she, the way she's doing it is like a lesson a day kind of thing. So she's just like, right, lesson one must be done by a month's time lesson two has to be done in a month and a day's time so it's like the absolute worst case can do like you know be one day ahead with stuff but you know that's obviously really stressful but it's like forces her to get going i think yeah. it's a great idea to pre-sell it because it means that you know for definite if there's demand before you make the course but even if it's a month for the mvp you make that for a month and then you find out nobody wants to buy it that's yeah. a bloody nuisance right so if you do the pre-sale and like almost nobody buys and you go, oh, right, go back to the drawing board, 
give them all a refund and figure out what else I'm going to make. If a bunch of people buy, you're like, great, okay, cool. And you can give a great deal in the pre-sale. You can say it's 50% off if you buy it now because you're faith in us and blah, blah, blah. You know, there's lots of things you can do to make it. Yeah, another thing that you can do as an MVP is to do a live program. Yeah. I took a salad series of webinars, for example. Mm. So you sell it, and then a week before your first session, you prepare your first session, you deliver it, and then the next week you deliver the next session, and you record everything, and then afterwards you can sell it as a, as a course, right? That's also, I mean, that's an example of an MVP and also a very good way to get feedback because you're doing it live, right? Which means that you're there with all the people who are live there with you. You can ask them for feedback listen to what they say and then make an even better version afterwards. So yeah, those are two examples of how we can pre-sell or create MVP. Yeah. 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 Do it faster. Yeah. I think that's great. I mean, when we did our, so we've got a coaching program and when we were doing building that first time through, I did it with one person and just went through the process with them. Yeah. And then afterwards I was like, ah, okay, this was unclear. This was probably in the wrong order. went back, redid it. And then the next time I went through it with two people, Okay, right. Now, can I do it with a couple of people at the same time, go through, make sense of it? And then I was like, right, I've got this figured out now. So then we went back and rebuilt it again and recorded and actually recorded it instead of like just selling the stuff that we'd pre recorded because I like, I still wasn't happy with it. But I was like, this third version is going to be good. And then I went and sold it and like, you know, had a bunch of people go through. But it's like, it's that iteration means that you can crack on faster. You don't have to do it with one person. You know, you could do it with like 20 the first time through or whatever the number is. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, I think one thing that creators shouldn't forget is that, especially those who are aiming for perfectionism, is that the only way to create something that's almost perfect is that you get that that feedback, right? So you need that that customer flow and then constant improvement. And then eventually you come with something that's great, but you you can't create something great without launching it first. Yeah, it's just not how it works, is it? Because if you're in your head too much, you're creating what you think is needed by everybody. And it's it's probably going to turn out not to be true. Yeah, I've made a mistake many times. (laughs) (laughs) It's still so hard, isn't it? Because you're like, yeah, but I don't want to put rubbish out in the world. It's like, you're going to have to put something out way before you're comfortable and get feedback on it. You got to, you got to. Mm. Okay, step two. So I get that. That makes sense. Step one, monetize the personal brand, make the course, capture leads, convert. And we talk a lot on this podcast about like, how do you convert more people, improving sales pages, et cetera. So I'm going to, I'm going to skip a little bit of that today because I really yeah. want to get into step two here. The using yeah. a personal brand to promote the new course business. What's the steps in there? You covered a little bit about this already. Like you had, um, Ari was making like different courses. Did he get different people to make each of those different courses rather yeah. than him doing it? Was it him with them? Like, What's how can people manage to do this? Okay, so in step number one, we launched our first thing, right? Mm-hmm. Our first course. So what we do in step number two is we go back to those people and we ask them, why did you buy the course? What did you like about the course? What do you like about the person? And then they came up with things like, yeah, what he teaches in the course is really practical. And I also want to learn languages because I really want to talk to people in my neighborhood in their own language. And I've been learning Spanish for a while now with Duolingo, but they teach me all kinds of stuff, which is not relevant. So I really like the area approach because he teaches the, the stuff that you can use in the streets. Yeah. Right. So we made a list and we, we asked ourselves the question, okay, what is important for this new brand that we're going to create? And all the things that those guys mentioned were the things that were important. So it needed mm-hmm. to be about 
making older people feel good, making older people, minorities that speak all the languages, feel hurt, teaching practical stuff, teaching stuff that you can teach on the street, making it personal, because Ari was in his course, and yeah, we have the dialogues in which he is basically based on sketches, but then mm -hmm. there is also what we call video walkthroughs, where he basically walks the people through the dialogues and gives additional uh, grammar explanations. So it almost felt like the students were there with him in an online classroom, right? So all the things, we listed out all the things. And, and then we created a methodology. How do you create the methodology? Well, this is how you do it. You just give it a name. And you give the name and then you can come up with like three pillars or something like the three pillars of this methodology, practical, human, and fun. Those were the three things that we came up with um, for Ari. You work with a designer, you create a logo, you choose the colors based on the feel that, that you want the brand to create for your audience. And um, you define what the teaching methodology is, right? Or the style. Not everybody needs to have a certain methodology. I think if you have a mainstream audience, millions of followers, talked about that with Lucy the other day, you do not really, people already trust you. Like what you, mm -hmm. you're almost already mainstream. Like the reason people need a methodology is because they need to compete against big guys, right? But if you already have all that audience, just make it about your style, for example. But yeah, if you are a smaller creator and you're, like one question people are going to ask themselves when they land on your sales page is what's different about this course, right? And, and the methodology can often be a, a way to, to really stand out. So once we, we had defined the method, you can go out there, look for other instructors. We decide on the format of the course and we say, hey, we have this course here. Can you create something similar for the language that you teach? And... That's how it starts, right? And then you create, cool. you create 10 courses. Well, let's dig into that a little bit. Like when you're doing this with some other instructor, so you've got the format, you've got the structure, you've got the brand. You go to some other instructor who teaches, let's say, French. Yeah. How much are you paying them? How long does it take to do it? Do you have, does it take a lot? That's too many questions in one go. Let me just start with that. How much are you paying them and how long does it take to do it? So creating... Um... I think any, any kind of course is a lot of work, right? So we work with multiple people. So for a language course, we work with somebody who writes the, the scripts of the dialogues of the story, mm -hmm. right? Then we work with a teacher who translates, who adds translations, also literal translation, who writes the grammar notes, the exercises, who create the tests. And then we want to record all those videos. And... Um, for Ari's courses, we, uh, we had a production team in Mexico and in China and in France who actually recorded everything with real actors. And lots of proofreaders, of course. So lots of people. Where do you find those people? For most jobs, we just use Upwork. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to like instructors who, who talk in front of the, the video walkthroughs, who talk in front of the camera, it's a bit harder to get those guys of Upwork because they need to be good in front of the camera and they need to be some, yeah, they need to be charismatic and they also need to know how to teach. Right. So that's a more specific skill set, which we find harder. We find it harder to find those guys in Upwork. So what we do then is we go to Instagram or YouTube and we look for smaller creators where small channels 
few thousand subscribers, but who are clearly good on camera and who really have, we think have potential. And then we say, hey, we're creating these courses. Do you want to be part of it? It's nothing you need to do. We have already written out all the materials, all the explanation. The only thing you need to do is present everything on camera and um, we will pay you. And on top of that, if you don't have a course yet yourself, you can actually affiliate for this course, right? Mm-hmm. And we will create all the, the marketing materials, the emails. We will do all of that for you as well. So in that case, it's often a win-win for both us and also the, uh, the instructor because, well, we get a, a great course. And for them, it's a good way to, to see how we create courses and how we do the marketing and maybe also make, yeah, also make some money on the side. All right. So loads of people involved there. What do you find? You, you mentioned originally like a month to make your first course. If you're doing all of this whole process with the video production team and yeah. all of this, is this longer? Because it sounds longer. Yeah, this is not the MVP, right? So yeah. the MVP, I think if you ask me, I think the MVP is something that the creator can create by him, him or herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't need so many people for that. You just create it by yourself. Something that's quick can be a, a webinar, a series of webinars, simple materials. How long does this take then? Kind of ballpark or range for like the, the more professional version you just described? So we created nine courses in the last six months. So these were basically three language courses and then three levels for each language. Mm-hmm. That took, no, I think it took a bit longer, probably seven or eight months, a bit too long. But now that, we, that we've done it, we can do it much faster. So we just created a new beginner course, like professionally with production teams, with all the proofreaders, with all of that, probably, and yeah, I think we can do it in 60 days now. So it's also something that you become better at. Okay. So once you're cranking it, once you're really good at it, a couple of months, first yeah. time through might take you whatever, three, four months. Just going to, you know, just trying to give people yeah. a ballpark idea so they can think through how all this fits together. Okay. It shouldn't take any longer than that, really, because it's not an MVP anymore, but, but still, mm. I mean... <laughs> I guess it depends if you have the time and the money and you and you're patient, it could take you longer. But I think that in business speed is super important. So this was also part of our pitch in the first place. It's like, okay, we're going to help you create all those calls and we're going to help you do it fast because the faster we put out new stuff, the faster we learn, the, the faster we, we make money, the, the better decisions we can make. Yeah. I don't think there's a perfect answer there, but in general, I think that the faster the, the better. Okay. Let's go on to the last step then, the building external traffic sources. So what's the process there? It sounded like from what I was hearing, mm-hmm. you might do some ads, but you're also doing another series of different YouTube channels, like to drive traffic into each. Was that right? Was that the main thing you're focusing on more YouTube channels? Yes. A good thing of working with YouTube is just that they understand the power of YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So if we create this brand, so yeah, let me just give street smart languages as as an example here. It's for people who want to learn languages. Now, what kind of content do they consume? Those people, what other channels do they watch? And then you really have to do your research. What are other brands in the niche doing? What are other business brands doing? And that's where you, you make a list of all the competitors in the space. And then you just look at all the individual elements. What are some of the things we like? What are some of the things that we don't want to do? What is our strength? And then, so we did that with Ari. And um, there, there's a, quite a few channels that are based off street interviews. Asian boss, is, Asian boss is one example. 
this easy languages. There's so many street interview channels nowadays mm-hmm. and language learners seem to like those channels because they get to, to see people from that culture, you know, the language that they are learning. You get also get to hear the language, of course. And if you then add bilingual subtitles, then yeah, they can actually learn Spanish essentially by just watching the video and reading along the subtitles, right? And if there's a word that you don't know, they can look at, at the English translation. And we thought that other channels were obviously doing a good job. So it has been proven that this concept can work in the market or on YouTube. But then the question, of course, is, okay, how, can we, how are we going to stand out, right? How are we going to compete against the big guys who've been out there for five years? There is this YouTube channel. It's called 1420. Have you ever seen it? It's a young Russian guy. I think he's like 20 years old. And he goes out on the streets in Russia and he asks him questions like, are you ready to be sent to Ukraine? <laughs> like questions like, that. Oh. what do you think oh. about our regime? Yeah, but you know, that channel is blowing up because of the crazy questions that he asks, right? Mm. Especially now. And I thought that was so smart because like the videos itself is nothing special, but he asked, he asked the questions that, that we want to know, right? Mm. So I guess what we did with Street Smart is a combination of that. We do street interviews. We have subtitles in, in both languages, but then we also ask questions that are actually really interesting. And um, yeah, so we're taking profits from the course business. We're pumping that into the new YouTube channel. And then the idea is that in a few years from now, because it takes time to grow a YouTube channel, in a few years from now, we have a big audience there. We can say, hey, by the way, want to learn Spanish for real? Now go and check out our courses. Right, so that's just one example. Yeah, so the main question here, I'm just trying to think from the perspective of the listener, right? Is if you have that personal brand and you then have created this business brand, it's like, where are my clients? What kind of other channels do they watch? And can I create something that's even better without me having to be in the videos? Mm. And that's why we work with these production teams in, uh, in Mexico, basically, who do all the uh, work. Because the long-term goal is to retire the creator if they wanted to. Mm -hmm. Nice. Wow. It's pretty epic. It's a whole scale of stuff going on here, isn't it? It's like you're really taking people on on a journey. So it sounds like what you're doing with people is quite a boutique offering. Like it's very resource intensive from your side, right? So I'm guessing like, if someone's hearing this and they're like, oh my God, I need to know more about this and how you guys work or whatever. I'm guessing they probably have to be quite big already to be able to work with you. Is that fair? Yeah, that's true. Otherwise we, <laughs> I mean, we have a, we have a podcast and we do some mm-hmm. live events and we also have an inner circle where people we were do raving help. about the event in Morocco. I know loads of people who, cause what's happened is cause we're, we're both friends with Shona, right? Yeah. And Shona's got all the people who she knows through creator smarts conference to like join the dc and then people yeah, from the dc yeah, are joining yeah. creator smarts like cross-pollinating between the two of them just for everybody listening creator smarts it's um as jan's brand and then uh the dc is a business network that i'm in along with ollie who is jan's uh business, yeah, partner. business partner yeah so um yeah is it like a, it, the whole thing's lots of cross-pollinating going on between it i've just been off to a, a conference in bangkok from the from the dc so, um, yeah, but they were raving about how great it was. And I saw Alan Matthews was there as well, who's a, yeah. a, a great guy. I love Alan. 
but yeah, so there's an amazing conference, or, or I don't know if you call it conference, like a mastermind that you do. Yeah, we call it, we call it a mastermind retreat. So basically, once per year, we organize this retreat somewhere in Europe. Well, this year it was we did it in Morocco, but usually it's in we've done it in Spain and in Croatia. It's like one week. A group of course creators fly in, and um, we rent a villa. We spend a week together in the villa. And we have a nice swimming pool and a jacuzzi. And like on the Monday, we have uh, we there's hot seat sessions where people can ask the group a question, and then they basically get 20 minutes of input from the group where we help solve each other's problems. It's just great networking, and yeah, everybody always feels very inspired. Yeah, uh, when they get back home. So that's just one of the things that we do. So it's not that we don't work with. You know, with the smaller guys, I mean, we, we, we still do all that stuff, but this thing like that we've been talking about on this podcast, where we help creators build a course empire, that's, um, yeah, we, we do that in a form of partnerships. And that's, of course, yeah, we can only do that with, I don't know, it's a very small group of people. But yeah. Whenever we, um, we manage to find somebody who we think is a good fit and who thinks that we are a good fit for them, then that's the business. And that's what we do under the creator empires label right so we started out with greater smarts that's for the education for the events for the community and then the partnerships thing falls under the uh, greater empires label yeah nice empires i love it okay cool <laughs> so if you're listening to this and you want to learn more you can go to creatorsmarts.com or you can go search for the creator smarts podcast in yeah. whatever podcast app you're using at the moment man that was awesome i love it you've really you've kind of opened up i think like a some other angles that we haven't talked about so much before on this podcast and i think it's it's fantastic so really appreciate you on coming on and talking about it um, anybody who's listening who wants to learn more go check out creator smarts podcast and if you found this interview useful and you want to get future episodes please subscribe wherever you listened thanks so much man really appreciate your time thanks john <laughs>